This episode is brought to you by Hulu, presenting Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers. From the backboard to the front office, Legacy captures the remarkable rise and unprecedented success of one of the most iconic franchises in professional sports. Featuring new revealing interviews from players, coaches, and execs, this 10-part documentary series chronicles this extraordinary story from the inside. Watch Legacy, the true story of the L.A. Lakers now, only on Hulu. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. What up, what up, what up, though? Ball Hawk Show. If you know, you know. If you know, you know. Break If you know, you know. One stop like a Walmart. We got the tennis balls for the wrong sport. If you know, you know. If you know about the carport, the trap door supposed to be awkward. If you know, you know. That's the reason we ball for. Circle round twice for the encore. If you know, you know. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, do? Welcome to the Ballhawk Show podcast. I'm your host, Amaya Hawkins. I appreciate you rocking with me. On this latest edition of the Ball Hawk Show podcast, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on any platform that you listen to the Ball Hawk Show podcast right now. Whether it's YouTube, whether it's Podbean, whether you're on Apple iTunes, or Apple Podcasts, whether you're on Anchor, Blog Talk Radio, any platform, hit that subscribe button, follow your boy. And uh, if you want to support the Ball Hawk Show podcast, man, um, information is in the description or you go to anchor.fm it's an option on how to support the podcast in a monthly capacity all donations are definitely appreciated definitely appreciate you guys and make sure you go to com for your shut the hell up juice merchandise shout out to the sponsors Abra Insurance go to net. Abra Insurance service in the state of Virginia for over 20 years that's home auto business life insurance anything you need go into the building on Friar Road and tell them the ball hawk sent you. Billy and Charlene White, good friends, great fans, family. Let me let me just they family of the show. If you're looking to invest into a property, you're looking to upgrade a property, um, or you're moving into the Charlottesville area, holler at my man Connor Murray. Go to Connor Murray Real Estate on Instagram, hit that follow, message him, or you can go on Facebook, Connor Murray Realtor. Hit that follow, send him a message, and tell them the ball hawk said, Hey, yo, Connor, what can you do for me? Can I get that new grill? What you got listed? Connor Murray Realtor. So let's jump right into it, man. As you guys can tell, feeling a lot better. Um, the jaw is healing nicely since I got this wisdom tooth yanked out the bottom. Um, it was close to my nerves and my jaw. Uh, so that's why it was tough to talk on Monday, but I'm back rehabbing. Hey, man, I, I didn't want to go on IR, so we here. So let's go ahead and recap. Well, not recap. Let's go down and preview the Wahoos versus Duke. So what you, what you what we want to start out? Let's start from team comparisons. The tail of the tape. Both teams are 4-2, and two, all right? Duke has the edge on scoring offense, 34 points a game. UVA is only averaging 28. Rush offense, they have the edge, averaging 182 yards rushing. UVA is only averaging 102. Passing offense, UVA has the edge in that. 
which is ironic because Cutcliffe is the coach for them, the, the quarterback whisperer. UVA is averaging 254 passing yards a game to Duke's 204. Total offense, Duke has to nod by a little over 30 yards at 387 yards to Virginia's 356. Time of possession, UVA has the advantage by two minutes, 33 minutes to 31 minutes. When we flip to the defensive side of the ball, the Wahoos have the advantage in scoring defense, rush defense, pass defense, and total defense. It's a 90 to 133 edge in rush defense, a 183 to 212 edge in pass defense, and a 273 to 345 total defense advantage. Turnover margin, both teams are trash can juice. They are in the negative. That's where the game will be determined. Because over the last years, even though the New York Giants fan base called Daniel Jones Danny Dimes, Virginia fans, I called Dan, Danny Daniel Jones, damn Daniel, a.k.a. Danny Nichols. Because we was picking him off and taking half of everything that he had every single time we played him. When we saw old Daniel after, after, after uh, Jordan Mack damn near took his life, three years ago, but every time we played him, Bryce Hall had three picks against him, Juan Thornhill had two picks against him, uh, 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 Quinn uh, Blandon had a pick six against him. I mean, it was pick him up, pick him up. That's all we kept saying every time he hiked the ball, pick him up. But now they got another quarterback, man, who I think is a, is a very good quarterback, and that's uh, Quinn Harris. And I think they actually have better offense with Quinn Harris, a more a – more, um, I think they're more explosive. I think it, 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 with him at quarterback, you got to be more honest. I'm not saying he's better. I think he's better in this offense than Daniel Jones was. Like, Daniel Jones may be the better NFL prospect, but I think Quentin Harris is the better college quarterback in this offense as far as preparing defensively because of what he does with the legs. He's the leading rusher, all right? He takes care of the football. All right. He's very cerebral on what he does. And and that's and that's what you want out of your quarterback. Let's look at his stats. Um, as far as his so he has three hundred and eighty yards rushing and five touchdowns. Now he has eleven touchdowns and just four interceptions. He's only attempted hundred and eighty one passes. They've ran the ball as a team two hundred and sixty three times. So they're a little bit more run first. And then pass, even though they spread you out, they get a lot of three by one. That means three receivers on one side and, and, and one receiver on the other. And one of the receivers could be a tight end. They have some good size uh, receivers. Their leading receivers is the most diminutive receiver that they have. And it's the same theme. You had uh, Ronman last year. You had Crowder two, a couple years before that. Now Calhoun, he jumps in line. He's, you know, averaging 40 yards a game. 254 yards receiving, three touchdowns, just nine yards to catch. But he's the control the mix type of guy. You got Young on their team. He's averaging 12 yards a catch. Uh, Bracey, 12 yards a catch. Um, so the bigger guys are, are the possession guys who could just get their body in between and make and, and make sure Harris doesn't have to be as accurate. But when you run down the size of their receivers outside of Calhoun, who's 5'11", 185, uh, Jake Bobo is 6'4", 200 pounds. Aaron Young is 6'4", 210 pounds. Uh, their tight end, Noah Gray, is 6'4", 240. So these are bigger guys, meaning he doesn't have to be as accurate. 
and the catch radius is that much better. Uh, Bryce Hall is down, our luxury at defensive back, our All-American. Devontae Cross steps in for him. The great thing about Devontae Cross, he has the size as well. Nick Grant is not a small corner, so we can match up well as far as the physicality piece. Now, with Devontae Cross playing corner, what does that do for us in the secondary as far as tying our coverage in with our blitz packages? Because when you have a guy like a Bryce Hall, you can run man to man on his side. You could blitz a lot from his side because you don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about exposing him. Now, not only is Devontae Cross moving to corner, to me, he was our best performing safety as far as getting to the deep halves and playing center field. Uh, if you recall, it was a couple of times this year with Nick Grant and even Bryce Hall was beat on post routes. And who was there? Devontae Cross was there to save the day. So now you got Devontae Cross playing safety. Chris Moore coming in. To, I mean, Devontae Cross playing corner. Chris Moore coming in to play safety. So what are Chris Moore's strengths? Chris Moore, to me, is a guy that comes downhill and faps you. Knocks your face off. He dissects run very fast. The thing about Chris and Joey Blunt, who's going to play center field between those two? Because we know that Brenton Nelson is the nickel guy. He's the cover guy. He's the guy that goes in the slot and can do what he do. Very good feet, very good ball instinct. So, you know, would Joey Blunt be the one triggering? And now we want Chris Moore to play center field because there is a drop off at corner at what Bryce Hall can do and what Devontae Cross can do. Let's not get it twisted. We're not going to disrespect the greatness of Bryce Hall and just say next man up. No, we're not going to do that on this show. It's going to be a collective of guys to pick up what Bryce Hall can do. One thing Devontae Cross can do is he can run. And he has very good ball skills. Very good ball skills. Now I know if you look at the Miami game, Miami went right at him. But he wasn't mentally ready to switch to corner at the drop of a dime. He was practicing safety all day long. Practicing his drops. Disguising. And then you just throw him at corner. So he did the right thing. Make sure Miami caught everything in front of him. So I think this week, the same thing if I'm Devontae. I'm going to make sure I don't give up any big plays and I let the feel of the game start to slow my feet down because team Duke will go at him and they're going to go at Nick Grant as well I mean both guys are young playing corner Nick has some experience now but he's not absolved from people picking on him just because Bryce is hurt teams now they can feel like they, they can attack both sides without consequence now so that's when Will we run some road coverage? Will we play more press to force a deep throw? A lot of times you can play press, play inside shade, anchor that inside foot, a quick shuffle at the at the snap of the ball, what we call a re- restart step to give yourself some room, invite the receiver to run, to bow to the outside, take an outside release, make sure you shuffle towards him, take a 45-degree angle to that shoulder, and then you take off and run. You just don't want to open the gate and rush and, and, and race. Now, if you play press, a lot of receivers and QBs will automatically check a goal route. Can you get them to just check a goal route? And can you kind of see where Quinn Harris's um, accuracy is? Is he a back shoulder throw quarterback? Is his timing right? Is he just going to fall in love with it? Now, if you see that every time you play press that they're going to take a shot deep, then you kind of dictate what you want to do. You can just roll some. You can play roll coverage now. You can play some cover two and just show press. 
That way you could be very physical at the line of scrimmage, eliminate outside um, releases. And if you give an inside release, you could clamp and compress the lane, meaning you mash and flatten out the receiver on the inside release. If he tries to run a slant, he's running right into a linebacker or the DB still there. So I expect this to play a lot more short coverage just to start the game. Some type of zone blitz. I don't expect us to show a 3-4 look versus Duke that much. I see us going to our 2-4-5 look. Our two down linemen, four linebackers, five DBs. We got Noah Taylor, uh, Charles Snowden as the stand-up defensive ends. And then we use Mandy Alonzo and Fumari as our two D tackles. You know? Or um, not just those two, but you, you get what I'm saying. I really think that we'll use the look we gave Miami and we gave Georgia Tech later in the year. You know, we get, I mean, or Bernie. So you can use Bernie, you can use handback. Then you can use Fomari, you can use Alonzo, uh, Tommy Chris. But you guys get what I'm saying. Like Juan, uh, Juwan Briggs and Jordan Redman probably won't get that many reps this, this game. I really feel like we're going to go with speed, uh, try to cause some confusion, try to discourage Quinn Harris for, for trying to um, use his legs and make him beat us with this arm because I just shared with you the stats that they actually had ran the ball. Um, what was that? Like 60 times more than they thrown the ball. If I could go back to the numbers, uh, I think he, th- he's attempted 180 passes and they ran the ball 263 times. So, you know, that's essentially 80 times. They ran the ball essentially give or take with a 78, 78 more times than he's thrown the football. So, they just want to control the line of scrimmage, want to set things up, and methodically move the ball down the field. Now, on the flip side, our offense. Watch, I watched a lot of games. I spent a lot of time breaking down film. Um, I really watched the pick game the most. I, I didn't really watch Alabama's game that much because we don't have the talent at receivers Alabama. But I did watch what they did conceptionally as far as with their schemes and their routes, the route combos. I watched that from the Alabama game. Then I looked at the pick game and I watched what they did. And what I noticed is they ran a lot of mess routes. They ran a lot of in cuts. They made sure guys was on different planes, but in the same windows and kind of crossing each other, making the linebackers and that nickelback think, and then schematically lining up in three by one, not just four wise, two on each side, but three by one, some bunch sets, a little bit of motion. You know, Pitt has some motions that was confusing them. Even Alabama has some motions, and we do have motions. Um, I really love what I call the, Jay, the Jerry Rice route to where he motions in tight, but instead of at the snap of the ball going up field, you know, they – go down the line like they're pulling guard and come out the back end as like a play action and you can just dump it right to the receiver. I saw that Pitt and Alabama ran in a couple of times. And and I think we have that in our repertoire. I, I think I have seen us run that this year, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe last year. But um, we have shown some bunch sets. Um, teams that have ran quick bubble screens against them have been successful. I've seen Pitt run our shield concept versus them for some success. Um, I also saw that Pitt utilized their backs out the backfield, threatening the seams, in which I saw Tuala Papa, the Samoan slasher, come out the backfield and run up the seam. And we haven't even looked at him yet, but I, I'm pretty sure that we can get Pitt on that. The reason why, I mean, not Pitt, but Duke, 
But Duke, they run a uh, four-two-five defense. Basically, in the nickel package the whole game. Four down linemen, four true defensive linemen, two true linebackers, and they have a nickel back in versus having a strong side backer. They put a nickel back in. And it's at times where they're running that 52-man front that you, we saw Florida State running. And what they do is they bring one of their linebackers and they put him on the line of scrimmage as an end, and then they bring that nickel back inside like he's a linebacker, but it's still a nickel, and I'm saying it with quotations. And they send five that way. But on the back end, they're playing, man. Schematically, we got them beat. Like I told you guys, the reason why we beat Florida State, even though they had all that talent, schematically, anytime we went for a receiver set, that 52 didn't stand a chance because you're going to be on an island. And even if you run some type of zone, there's so many windows open because you got one less body back there. You know, most teams, when they run a nickel or a dime, it's at least it's four linemen. So you, you, you got a bunch of secondary guys. But when you got five guys on the line of scrimmage, you essentially only got two guys in the box area. So you're doing yourself a disservice in the passing game. So when Duke wants to give us that five-man look, and they will drop one of those uh, defensive tackles in the mid, in like where the umpire is at, just in case you run a, a hot right right now. But anything we do vertically, we have a chance. Now the thing is, I know our offensive line been struggling, but what I have noticed that quarterbacks that will climb in the pocket have killed them. Um, so instead of Bryce trying to get out the back door, if he just climbs up in the B gaps, either to the right or to the left, just slide up, he's going to be very successful because I don't see those linebackers really tackling him in space if he truly attacks them. If Bryce is sliding up trying to throw the football, yeah, they will take advantage of his feet then because he's looking to throw the football. But if Bryce feels pressure and automatically just tucks it and said, damn it, I'm about to hurdle you, I'm going to put you on skates, I don't see an issue. I really don't. And that's with the inconsistencies of our offensive line. I would rather our offensive line just say, hey, Bryce, if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose by a speed rush. I'm not going to let them power rush me. Because if they lose, like if, if, they're, if they're getting out of their stance, hands and feet, and they're getting defeated, if they feel themselves getting defeated by a speed rush, I would rather our offensive linemen push those defenders up the field as violently as they can to create a lane for Bryce to really step up and get out the pocket versus trying to hold them and pull them and thus constricting the lane for Bryce. So a lot of times when our, our, our tackles are using their hands and they kick sliding and they shoot and, and the defense alignment, you know, do their little Carl McGraw move and slap and swim or slap and rip or slap and stab. They try to grab them, and when they grab, they kind of fall back, and it brings the defense alignment in some to where it collapsed the pocket to where when Bryce finally feels them, they're on top of them. But if they just treat it like a screen and they feel like, oh, crap, they got a good get off, I'm going to just slap them up the field, meaning just two-hand push them hard as hell up the field. I think Bryce spider senses will alert that and he will step up in the pocket, and that's when he's lethal, when he's stepping up. And that's when you put more stress on that 425 because there's two guys there, right? If we're using any type of mesh route or we're using any type of swing route with our bats, can you imagine? And I always say this every pregame, but if you show any threat out the backfield, we all get to you look at Pitt, Tyler Papa had a catch in that first series out the backfield. And once he showed, once we showed that we will throw it to the back out the backfield, 
the linebackers couldn't just key in on Bryce, right? It, when you put a Tavares Kelly or a Billy Kemp or a Joe Reed as that back in the backfield, that's an immediate alert. You you just threw off all the tactics the defense had because they see a number 80s in the backfield, or 88 or number two, somebody that usually isn't there. Alert, alert, alert. They think something fishy is up. So they're going to alert and they're going to check the back. So if you just send them on a swing route, they have to respect it. You're going to get flow that way. And you may even get the end to that side to come up and check and make sure it's not a swing route before he gets back into his pass rush. So sometimes we can use our receivers at running back or just our running backs in general as a pass blocker by just swinging out because you would get some type of reaction. from If that end is not going to react to the back swinging out, then damn it, I'm jotting that down on my play sheet and I'm, I'm checking it like we're coming back to that. Said hut, swing pass right now. Let's see if you could tackle. And what I may do is I may motion my very widest receiver out with my two look, motion him inside the slot guy, and give me some type of mesh action with that. Mesh, give me a corner route by that tight receiver who's still there. Give me a backside mesh route coming across, dragging across, swing the back. So now you got three levels, and they're hitting at three different time periods because with the back swinging out, with that with that front side motion coming across and vacating his premises, if they bump, so say the corner just send them, say bump, 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 and he's waiting for the first guy to come back, and he sees the back, he may take the back. But then that linebacker may not hear him and take the back as well, and you got that backside mesh wide open coming out the back end. Then who's going to take the corner route? Because the corner, will he already be outflanked, or will he be already outside so much that – that's essentially a block down the field because you tell the receiver just run to the corner. If he's outside leverage, just run right at him because we're going to throw the swing route anyway. It's just a shield play. I mean, you just do some things like that. And and I feel like it's in the repertoire. I feel like if we go two backs versus this team, um, we have to be very sound. But you have to use one of the backs as a threat. Use Cowley. We have to use the tight end. Sit him right between those linebackers. I would sit Cowley right in between the linebackers and do a sprint out as well. Like, just do a sprint out. Matter of fact, don't even do a sprint out. Just make it a quarterback power, a RPO. You know, what? You know, if you just went four wise and you just gave your inside zone look to Tyler Popper going to the boundary, but you always made Joe Reed do a bubble and you always did a slant on the outside. That's going to make that end not really crash down because he could just pull it and throw it. You could pull it and throw it. Pull it, throw the throw the bubble route. Pull it, throw the throw the slant route. We do have a play where we'll pull it and throw it to Cowley, basically going up the scene. We've shown that, and that's been open. And last year, Evan Butts scored against Duke. So I, I will I, I think our tight end will play a role. The thing about coaching down the offense is just consistency. And also that we got to know this as well. We'll be able to move the ball, but what can we do once we get to the 20-yard line? All right? Hasee Dubois is banged up. He, he he may play. He may not play. But a guy like Chapman definitely got to get his buckets. I want to see Chapman moss people. I haven't seen him moss anybody since the pit game. I want to see Chapman score. I haven't seen him score since the women Mary game. A nice little post route he ran to where Bryce climbed the pocket and threw him right into the middle of the goal post. 
You know, they got to get on the same accord. Um, Hasis Dubois is our guy that is the shorthanded receiver. Joe Reed is just explosive. I think I read a stat on, on Twitter that Joe Reed is averaging like 16 yards per touch. You got to get the good, the good version of Terrell Owens the ball. He not the bad version. He's like the good cordial Terrell. I mean, Joe Reed reminds me of a young Terrell Owens, how violent that he runs. And I think you got to get number two, the football. He's that explosive. He is that damn good. Get the Jitterbugs the ball. Get Tavares Kelly the rock. Get Billy Kemp the rock. We got a lot of weapons. Terrell Janner, Mr. Silent But Deadly, one of the best route runners on the team. Brissett is back. We we have options, man. We have options. Offensively, we got to get our minds right. We got to be consistently good up front, consistently good executing. No matter what play is called, you got to execute versus a Cutcliffe coach team because they're going to play for four quarters. Cutcliffe is going to figure our defense out. He will. I'm not saying that Quentin Harris will. He will. But that's the great thing about Coach Nick Howell and Papinga. They recognize that you're not playing against the coach. You're playing against the quarterback. That's what people fail to realize. It's not really a chess match between the coordinators. It is essentially, but as the game goes on, it's all about what is the quarterback seeing. And anytime we get third and long or, or, you know, third and manageable and we bring that speed line up in, we got to be sound in our pass rush lanes and we got to understand that Quentin, that Harris is a true dual threat guy, that he's very savvy. We got to collapse the pocket and Get your hands up. If you can't get home, get your hands up. I think we do a very good job of, of batting balls down, but we got to get our hands up. We got to understand that uh, it's going to be a, a, another additional second since Bryce Hall isn't playing anymore. It's going to be an additional second that that we lost as far as getting to the quarterback. Like, do you, Havoc, you got a half a second less. I ain't going to say a full second, but a half a second less because of the quarterback's feeling more comfortable that they could just attack a, attack both sides now. Like with Bryce, a whole side was gone, just off like the Mike Tyson vibe. Like you fighting Mike Tyson, you scared already. He didn't even hit you. You nervous. Like when you stepped on the field, you saw 34, you're like, oh, hell no. And he don't even talk. I'm not going that way. Now they're like, okay, even though number one been performing this year, we're going to go out to him. And 15, he a safety. We definitely going to go out to him. That's just what they're saying. Previously it was – we're going to go at number one, but we still know number 15 back there and number one been breaking on short passes, so we still got to be a little weary. We got to proceed with caution. Like, Nick Grant is not an easy win. Like, you're not just going to throw at him and cook him like he barbecued chicken. That's not going to happen. I work with the kid all summer. It's not going to happen. He's going to compete, and he's going to get better and better as the game go, go on. And, and I got to imagine, man, that second half had to be tough for the secondary guys when, when Bryce went out. You could just you could just see it with the body language and 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 just competing. Like I just remember when Dex went down, how it was just tough overall. Just yeah, but I ain't gonna get into that. But you know, my keys to the game is this: protect the quarterback by any means necessary. Meaning, offensive line, how you execute. Meaning, coaching now, your consistent play calling. Meaning. Bryce Perkins, your spider senses got to be on a hundred, period, point blank, period. 
You gotta you gotta you gotta almost shoot it like I'm a, a half a side and go. I'm looking at one half of a side. If not open right now, I'm looking to go. It's not that you got no confidence off his line, but you gotta accelerate your clock to get a reaction out of defensive line. And that way later in the game, once you start when you do, when you are patient, it works to your advantage and to your offensive line advantage. But quick hitters. The window dressing, the various motions, the misdirections, and we got to be able to run the ball. Uh, Mike Hollins, I, hopefully he didn't – I don't think Coach and them won't play him because of the fumble. I still like the kid's sudden quickness and his vision. I think he could be very good for us. With Tyler Papa, the way he runs the ball, Mike Hollins, the way he runs the ball, PK here is a battering ram. You remember last year we played Duke. Uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Ellis got hurt. PK came in, was running hard. Atkins had a big run. We got to get Chris Sharp in the game. As far as throwing the ball, like they know if Chris Sharp is in the game, we're going to throw to the backs, put him in the game. You put him in the game, you're going to get the reaction out of the running backs. They watch film. Anytime 31 comes in, what do we do? We're throwing the ball to the back or he's involved. Remember when Smoke used to come in when he was here? Oh, four's in the game, four getting the ball. Well, we're going to use Chris Sharp the same way. Like I'm putting Sharp in, I'm going to get that reaction. Maybe that's when you should run the quarterback draw. Put Chris Sharp in the game. You feel me? But um, I, I think we will win this game. I think it's definitely going to be some adjusting to do on defense. Uh, but I, like I said, I really don't think we'll play our 3-4 defense versus Duke. I feel like we will probably go back to our small lineup because Duke is always keeping it spread out. Um, if Duke comes with the triple option look, yeah, I think we'll go to our 3-4 also. It just depends on personnel and, and what's tipping us off, letting us know when they're going to line up in it. Uh but uh, Duke is a run-first team. They want to run the ball first. They want to control the line of scrimmage, stay in front of the sticks, second, third, and manageable. That's their, that's been their motto. If you can get a tackle for a loss or give the uh, – if first down can be empty, you're, like, you're definitely winning the series versus them. Because majority of the time they get three or four yards on first down. That's their confidence booster. But on first down you can shut them down or you can get an incomplete because they're throwing something safe on first down just to stay in front of the sticks, then you really cut half of the playbook off of what they really want to do. So I talked y'all head off long enough, man. It's the Ballhawk Show. As y'all can tell, my jaw feeling a whole lot better. Uh, make sure you subscribe. Shout out to the Hill Podcast, my homies over there, man. Um, appreciate everything that y'all do. Uh, make sure y'all check them out. Make sure you check out Cavalier's Corner. Make sure y'all check out uh, everybody that, that that rock with UVA man Jeff White and his podcast. There's so many podcasts, man. Y'all y'all know I love y'all, man. But uh, it's the ball hawk. I'm out of here. Ah! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.